Texas Tech just knocked off a top 10 opponent shorthanded, and they do it again against the nation's best team. We'll discuss it coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. And I'm joined by my co-host, Emery Lida, who is a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer. Today, we are going to be previewing tonight's game against Baylor at 6 o'clock in Waco. Obviously, a big contest with Baylor being the best team in the nation, arguably, and Texas Tech rising up to number 19 in the AP poll after knocking off Kansas at home. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. In today's episode, man, we've got to right our wrongs. Emory, we were very wrong about that Kansas game. Yeah, I think I predicted 71 to 59 in favor of Kansas and it almost being it almost ended up being the inverse for Tech. And for me, obviously we didn't know exactly what the roster would be like, but even knowing the guys that would end up playing, I still would have picked Kansas to win. So, I'm very happy to be wrong in this case. Certainly seeing Tech come out there and really execute so well offensively and then defensively hold Kansas to their worst offensive output of the year. It was something special, man, and for everything that Mark Adams and this program has been through in the last year to be able to have a nice top 10 victory over a team that you really have had mixed results against at home over the last few years is something special. And it makes me even more excited to get on with the rest of conference season and see what this team can do. Yeah, I certainly was not expecting the clearance in a Dolny game. And I mean, Mark Adams just cooked up a game plan that was executed to perfection and he's going to have to do it again if his team wants to knock off Baylor because the Bears are a perfect 15 and 0 this season with wins over Michigan State, Villanova and Iowa State. They've been getting tested lately though in conference play teams like Oklahoma and TCU have put up a noble fight. I believe both of those teams lost by only single digits against Baylor. So showing some signs of life and and humanity but this team is still an absolute machine. They obviously sit at the top of Ken Palm. Their offense has been phenomenal this season. They rank fourth in Ken Palm and adjusted offense and seventh in defense. I mean, Emory Baylor won a national championship last year in just absolute dominant fashion. How are they this good again? And what have you seen from them this season? I mean, it's strength in the numbers. They have so many guys in their rotation that, can play a variety of different roles. Obviously, their shooting maybe isn't quite as good as what they've had in years past, and especially on last year's team. They're only at about 37%, which I say only. That's still top three in the Big 12 and still really good nationally, but obviously wasn't quite as good as 41% last year. But what they lack in that, they make up in defensive versatility. I mean, you've got personnel all over the board that can really operate the no-middle scheme, and they also have 
really up the tempo and found a way to utilize their athleticism. They've got two really athletic freshmen in Jeremy Sochin and Kendall Brown, both of which I think are going to play major aspects in this game. And for me, I just look at this team and I think a lot of people underestimated just how important their depth was. Even last year, obviously you had the trio of NBA guards with Teague, Mitchell and Butler. But beyond that, they still had guys on the bench that could go off for 15 every night. Famous first round draft pick projection in Matthew Meyer, uh, still on the team, still producing. Obviously, you've got guards like Cryer, Akeno, and um, and more even Adam Fugler as well. All of those guys can play massive roles. So for Baylor, it's really just the depth that they have has continued from last year. They still play the same similar style of basketball, and they're still able to have really good productions on both ends. And it's just the balance that makes this team so difficult to guard against and to play against for 40 minutes. I got a prop for you. Baylor three-point shooting percentage at the end of the season over under 37.5. I'll take under just slightly. I actually think this percentage they're at right now is pretty representative because I think you're going to get some guys that are going to kind of regress a little bit. Um, Certainly, Cryer and Akeno, I could see them in Big 12 play get a little bit worse just with the way the ball handlers tend to regress a little bit over the course of conference season. And then I also think their off-ball shooting is bound for a little bit of positive regression. So I think it's going to be under, but it's going to be right there, like a 36.8 or 37% number. Interesting. I think we're on different ends here. I mean, you look at their individual shooting numbers, and they are really, really impressive, which makes like... Obviously, your line of thinking that there might be a little bit of regression make a lot of sense. I mean, Akinjo is shooting 41.4% on almost four attempts per game. Cryer is shooting 46.6% on almost six attempts per game. Kendall Brown, 45%. Really, the guy that, that's holding them back right now is that projected first-round pick, Matthew Meyer. He's sitting at about 31.5%, which is a bit of a dip from where he's been in his career. But this team has got shooters. Um, they've got a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. Obviously, I mentioned Brown. He doesn't shoot it a ton. Adam Flagler has been pretty good as well. But there's there's depth on this team, and there's a lot of guys on the perimeter that can make shots. And that's kind of what's different to me about this Baylor team than the one that just won a national championship. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, the trio of guards. Jared Butler was kind of the guy for that team, um, one of the best players in the nation. You knew he was going to get the ball. Um, if the clock was ticking down and Baylor needed a shot, he was just the guy. He was a star. Um, and Baylor still feels like they're kind of trying to find that guy, um, maybe in a Kenjo, but I don't, I don't really think they need it. I mean, you've got four guys that are scoring in double digits and they're all within three points of one another. So very, very deep, talented team um, with just an onslaught of guards. This team is going to be a really, really difficult team to beat. Yeah, I'm still very high on on Adam Flagler, and I think as much a, as much of a mess as of jokes as I make on Matthew Meyer, I still think he's a really good guard. And obviously, Akinjo and Cryer, they're two of the best shooting guards that you're going to see in the conference. Especially Akinjo on the defensive end is possibly one of the best two way guards we've seen in a while. Even I'm not going to go as far as saying he's as good as Davion Mitchell, but he certainly has that on ball attribute that makes him just a lethal defender. And you look at this team and there's really not a lot of weaknesses you can find. And last year's team obviously had the really good depth, but this year, I think the lack of standout guard per se, guards per se really makes the depth just stand out even more because you could 
probably name five or six players on this team that could be the best player at a different school in the conference, like a West Virginia, for example. And that's just rare because even like a team like Kansas, you had a pretty massive drop off after the fourth or fifth guy. And you really can't place that drop off on this Baylor roster all the way through the rotation. I mean, even, even their bigs are decent enough to where they can compete with other bigs in the conference. So, I mean, this is, one of the most stacked teams in Big 12 history, I think. Last year's, I think, has an argument to be the best Big 12 team of all time. And this year's roster is built in a very similar way, and it's just as dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned kind of the individual defenders. This team is really, really good at forcing turnovers. Their opponents are averaging 18.3 turnovers per game, which is top 10 in the nation. Baylor is averaging over 10 steals per game. And they move the ball really, really well on offense, about 18.4 assists per game, which is top 10 in the country. So this team does a lot of good things. They protect the ball. They force you to turn over the ball, and they play good defense. Um, That's a matchup that makes every single night difficult, but we know that Mark Adams wants to build a brand very similar to that. Coming up, we will talk about some of the notable individual Baylor Bears, including James Akinjo and LJ Cryer. Hey Red Raiders, this is Ryan with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are even making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. The Bears as a team obviously have some very impressive numbers, but where that starts is with the individual players. And we have mentioned James Akinjo's name a couple of times now, and I think right now he's got the best case for Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. Just an absolute phenomenal player, Um, a guard transfer from Arizona. He is averaging 14.4 points, 6.1 assists, 2.2 steals per game all on 41.4 three-point shooting, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, this guy is an all-out threat. He's experienced, obviously has only been at Baylor this year, but believe he's a senior, played three years at Arizona before, I guess, a junior due to COVID rules. But uh, just a really talented guy who's seasoned in, in college basketball and who's really, really good at putting the ball in the basket and also has very active hands on defense. Yeah, Ken was probably one of the best transfers in the entire nation. Certainly at Baylor, he's been able to really step up and provide a lot of the defense that you were losing with Davion Mitchell leaving to the NBA, obviously. And you had Jared Butler and Macy Oteague. Both of them were positive defenders as well. And really the offense for me is one of the bigger surprises because obviously his shooting was good at Arizona. I believe he was a near 40% three-point shooter. His playmaking has always been there dating back to the UConn days. But for him to make a step up as the lead guy has been probably one of the bigger surprises in the Big 12 this season. Obviously, I came into the season expecting Adam Flagler to take a lot of the 
a lot of the opportunities there because of how well he was last year and just the, some of the no- noise that we heard out of Waco over the offseason. And he's still been great. He actually won Big 12 Player of the Week this past week. But certainly, I'd say he's probably the third third most relevant guard on this team so far. And that just speaks to how well Ekinjo's offense has been compared to what we expected, as well as Eldre Cryer. And I think both of those guys have really stepped up for Baylor. And if you want to look at how their offense has still been able to be top five in the nation in efficiency, that's the answer. Your guard play has managed to not take too much of a hit in terms of efficiency compared to what they were last year with a trio of guards who are all in the NBA. And I think when you look at the individuals, you could expect to see some regression this season, but they've certainly done an amazing job to just stay efficient. And even in conference play, I mean, Nikenjo was the newcomer of the week. Flagler was the offensive player of the week, or excuse me, the overall player of the week. And both of them had good games in both of their conference games. Like they've been close against Iowa or against Iowa State, Oklahoma, and TCU. But all three of those games, the guards played well. And so it's going to be a challenge for a tech team that against Kansas, you had really good wings that you were facing that can also handle the ball. And this one, you're facing probably one of the best three-headed guard tandems in the nation and certainly the best in the conference. Yeah, let's talk Flybler for a second. Um, I think he's a guy that kind of gets overlooked, especially um, on last year's team with so much talent. But he was a key part of their depth in that national championship run. Um, you mentioned his performance that earned him Big 12 Player of the Week. He scored 22 against Oklahoma and TCU, um, shot 8 of 14 from deep in, in those two games combined, four steals, four assists, four rebounds combined. Um, just really, really solid stretch from him. He's a guy that Texas Tech saw um, last season. What what have you seen from him, and just what kind of challenge does does Flagler present? I mean, he's a guy that has scored 15 on Texas Tech last year and then just was kind of non-existent in the game in Waco to close the season, but obviously they didn't need him too much in that one. Yeah, I think uh, Macy Oteague made it to where pretty much anyone else in that game was non-existent relative to him. But for Flagler, he's probably the most natural playmaker on this team, just in terms, just in terms of his passing ability and vision. And Obviously, the assist numbers maybe don't back that up quite as well as you might expect. But to me, compared to the amount of ball handling shares that he's gotten, he has a really good feel as a ball handler. And I think that's something that maybe a lot of people haven't quite picked up on. But I'm really high on him for his ability to playmake. And then obviously, his shooting's very good. I mean, he's been a 40% guy since the day he stepped on campus. And you're never going to question his ability to shoot. And then defensively, he's another one of their tough guards, good instincts, maybe not as good of an active defender as like a Davion Mitchell or a Kenjo, but someone that can still really wreak havoc and make it to where you can't get efficient on-ball possession. So for Tech, he's another tough matchup at guard just because he can play make well. He's got good burst. Obviously, you can't leave him off the ball. He's not someone that – he's someone that's going to make you pay if you – decide to scheme more towards stopping the ball handler when he plays off ball just because of his ability to shoot. And he's also moves decently well without the ball. So he's really a very well-rounded offensive threat. And then defensively, his defensive ability just stays right in line with everything else that they have going for them at guard with Cryer and with Akinjo. So he just, for me, he's kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit this year just because of how well Akinjo's kind of acclimated himself to Baylor and also how well Cryer's done to be 
an elite off-ball threat, but he's still a very dangerous guard and someone that Tech is going to have to keep an eye on. Flagler has really, really impressed me this season. I think he's stepped up into a higher usage role really, really well. But you touched on LJ Cryer, and that's a guy I want to talk about for a second um, because he has just been lighting teams on fire this year. He is shooting 46.6% from deep on over five and a half threes per game. So that is easily making him one of the best shooters in the conference, averages 13 points per game, and then almost two assists and two rebounds and a steal as well. And he does all that coming off the bench and playing only about 25 minutes per game. He's a guy that I think you've really, really got to make sure you stay tight on your rotations on. Um, During the Kansas game, Mark Adams, um, and all credit to him because it worked, his defensive game plan was very, very much um, flock, and flock and flock and play really aggressive on on a help defense and it worked i mean kansas did not make the open shots that they were able to get and texas tech was able to swing out on rotations very well so that played into texas tech's favor but i hope that they are able to keep an eye on crier because he is a guy that really scares me kind of makes me think that he could have a macy Oteague type game obviously i don't think we'll ever see something like that perfectly replicated but he is not a guy that you want to get hot. Another guy that's really, really intriguing on this Baylor team is Kendall Brown, who I know you want to talk a little bit about, Emery. Yeah, quite possibly one of the most athletic freshmen to come through the Big 12 in the last decade. His game is very bouncy. Someone that has a lot of natural athleticism can really feel the offensive game well. His two-point efficiency this year has been absolutely electrifying. He started the season out with a bang. The first eight or nine games, it was like every single game he was shooting in the 60 to 70% range, having a good impact on the boards and really just showing out offensively. And it's something that Baylor didn't necessarily have last year. Obviously, they were very guard heavy and had Mark Vidal, Flotama, JTT on the inside. And this certainly still have the inside threat there, but they didn't really have a versatile wing with big size that could still make plays offensively and be a high field guy and defensively as well. Brown's really come along strong. I was a little bit lower coming in on him on the defensive side, but his instincts like pretty much everyone else on Baylor's team really good, rarely misses rotations. And along with Jeremy Sochin, who's another really outstanding freshman that hasn't quite had as much of an impact in big 12 play as what someone would expect, given what he did early on in the non-conference season, those two, are probably one of the best freshman tandems out there. And especially given the size that they have and their ability to play in the wing slots, they offer a lot of versatility for Baylor that hasn't been there last year. And it's one of the unique elements to this team that just makes it so dangerous. Brown has been phenomenal, man. I mean, he he is huge. He's about 6'8", 205 pounds. Um, and, and he's a freak athlete. The dude can move. Um, obviously a, a top like 15 prospect, I think last year coming out of coming out of, uh, I believe he's from Minnesota and one preseason big 12 freshman of the year. So a guy with a lot of awards and acclaims to him and it is well-deserved so far this season. He has looked like a beast and just another one of those guys that doesn't really fit into a box. He kind of plays wing, but he can also play on the forward um, just just a really tough guy for Texas Tech to account for on defense. So we'll have to see what Mark Adams does to try and contain him. But coming up next in our final segment, we will give our predictions to the game and also what Texas Tech needs to do to come away with a victory. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season just wrapped up. 
the March to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Baylor and Texas Tech at 6 p.m. Central in Waco. Um, a lot of unknowns about the Red Raiders. I'm I'm sure that'll continue until right before tip. I'm I'm gonna guess that Kevin McCuller or Terrence Shannon Jr. will both be out. Um, obviously, Texas Tech got Malik Wilson back in, against Kansas. That's a big help. Clarence Nadolny is now apparently one of the best players in the universe, so that helps. Um, but I'm excited to see what Texas Tech can do in this game. I mean, Baylor is a stout opponent. They do a lot of things really, really well. But I think a couple of things that Texas Tech could do to give themselves a good shot at a victory would be to protect the basketball and force turnovers. That's what they did against Kansas. And it really helped them establish an early lead and keep Baylor in a deficit. I think they need to get second chance points and, and score some easy ones. Baylor... Um, for all the things that this, that this team does really well, they don't really have a good rim protector um, and a guy that can really, really challenge shots at the rim. Opponents are shooting about 47.1% on two-point field goals this year, which is about average in the country. Obviously, you've got to account for guys like JTT and Flo Thamba, but ultimately, I think Texas Tech can can try and replicate some of what they did against Kansas in the paint. And then I think you've got to make shots. I mean, that, that's really what it boils down to. This this Baylor team is holding opponents to sub 30% from deep. If you're Texas Tech, you've got to get open shots from behind the line, and you've got to make them. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're not going to win the game without making shots. And Baylor, like you mentioned, is holding teams to sub 30%. Against Iowa State, they really made life difficult from them beyond the arc. And unfortunately for Tech, that's been one of their weaknesses for this year has been kind of the volatile nature of their three-point attempts and their ability to make them. And, and that's something that in Big 12 play might be a concern. And certainly Tech can stay in this game because they have the inside ability to really give Baylor fits. Baylor's still not a great rebounding team on the defensive end relative to what you would expect from a team of their caliber. Last year, it was probably literally the Achilles heel for them in terms of their makeup. They were sub 280 nationally in offensive rebound and per percentage allowed. This year, they're a lot better, top 80 nationally. But still, that's an area where I think you can take advantage of their relative lack of size and their ability to run some small ball. And against Kansas, that was critical to get all the offensive rebounds and really dom dominate the paint. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Tech attacks this game because certainly Baylor's lack of rim protection compared to last year is pretty notable. They don't have a Mark Vidal who's as they don't have a guy like Mark Vidal who can be the like ultimate rim protector, even if he doesn't block any shots. So that advantage is kind of wiped out. But certainly defensively, they're still more than capable. And offensively, what I'm probably most worried about is just their finishing at the rim. I mean, they're a team that's shooting about 72% inside the paint. That's ridiculous. And even then, their jump shooting's still been really good. They're 40% on mid-range, 37% from three. They've got a host of guys shooting over 40%, led by Cryer shooting 46%. So there's so much to worry about offensively that I think you're just going to have to really focus on 
just playing a havoc-based defense, try to force turnovers, try to make their life more uncomfortable and see what can happen because this is not a game that you can win easily, but it's one that you have the talent to be able to get. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see how Mark Adams can scheme up a stop a way to stop Baylor because in the past, Tech has been able to have some pretty good defensive outings. People remember the Macy OT game where he dropped like 36, obviously hit all of the threes. But the three games before that against Baylor were all really close down to the last couple of minutes. And especially in Lubbock, the last two years has been close. And I'm hoping for a similar outcome, even if it doesn't actually go Tech's way. I think you can learn a lot about the team this game. This Baylor team certainly knows how to put the ball in the basket, shooting 49.5% from the field. That's the 13th best in the nation. They're making almost 32 shots per game. That's fourth best in the nation. So Texas Tech is certainly going to have a defensive challenge in this game. Vegas has the line at about 12 um, for Tech being obviously the dogs in this one, which is pretty steep. Um, and you know what? I, I got I got proved wrong in, in our last episode. I was very, very low on Texas Tech and predicted them to just get blown out. I think I had like a 15 or 16 point game. And you know what? I'm going to I'm going to buy the Clarence Nadolny stock, but I'm also going to leave some on the market. I'm not going to pick Texas Tech to win this game, but I think they're going to fight, man. I think they're going to fight really, really hard. I'm going to pick Baylor to win 74 to 65. So um, a lot closer of a game. Texas Tech still has a lot to learn um, about what they're going to do with this roster. Man, just such a such a tough situation for the Red Raiders. But um, I'm hopeful that Texas Tech will put up a fight. Um, Baylor has shown that they can allow that in the Big 12 this year. And so I think Texas Tech just needs to go out, protect the ball, make shots, and, and, and score in the paint. And if they can do that, then I think they'll hang around. But uh, hopefully I won't look as stupid after this one as I did against Kansas. Man, I continue to hold my Clarence only stock and get proven right for it every single game. I think I'm going to let that continue. I'm not going to pick Tech to win this one. I think Baylor being probably the best team in the nation at this point is just a little bit too much of an obstacle to climb. But I'm definitely going to pick Tech to cover. I think it's going to be a close game. And out of all the teams in the Big 12, when fully healthy, I feel like Tech has the roster that's best suited to be able to stop Baylor. Because as we mentioned a million times on this podcast, they've got so many good perimeter defenders that – can be utilized. TJ Shannon, Kevin McCullough, Clarence Adoli, Miley Wilson, Davion Warren, I don't know, the list goes on. And all of those guys have really elite on and off ball instincts at times. And for this Baylor roster that has so many guards that can be effective, having that amount of length and athleticism and defensive ability on the roster is big. But in this game, we don't quite know who's going to be available if TJ and McCullough are going to be out. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But for now, I'm going to go with the assumption that they're out. And I'm just going to say that Tech lacks some of the firepower to be able to come away with victory. I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. I think Baylor's played at a faster tempo this year. But if you look back at some of the games in recent years, it's been a very slow-paced game against Baylor. Last year's game at Lubbock was a real rock fight for the first 18-ish minutes. The year before that, you had two games in the 60s. This year, I think, or two games in the 60s and one, or one game in the 60s, one game in the 50s. This year, I think you're going to barely crack 60 points, but I'm going to say that Baylor wins this one 62 to 59 in a real close one where Tech has a shot late in the game. 
I'm definitely with you. And if that game goes goes to the under, then Texas Tech has a better chance than of this becoming a shootout because I'm confident that Baylor can win a shootout against anybody in the country. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to watch the game. I think Texas Tech has a lot of will to win and a lot of fight. And I think we saw against Kansas that that can never be overstated. We will be back tomorrow probably to break down a little bit of what we saw against Baylor and to take a look at Oklahoma State. Texas Tech is entering just an absolute brutal Big 12 stretch. I think they play five games in 11 days. So they will be busy and we will be busy as well. Be sure to keep up with our feeds, follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure that you don't miss an episode. Hey, if for some reason you missed our call in schooler episode that dropped yesterday, be sure to go check that out. Schooler had a ton of good things to say about the incoming Texas Tech football staff. He talked about the firing of Matt Wells and he talked about how important the Liberty Bowl was for him and his team to win. So be sure to go check out that episode and share it with someone you know. Um, in the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41 and you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter at Locked On TTU. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now be sure to make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.